0: Good morning, and welcome to your dog's best life. This is Liam, and I'm by myself again. Uh, At least you guys are getting used to it. So anyway, uh, today's topic is very timely for me. Uh, Last week, uh, we had snow. It was very exciting. We took pictures, and it was very pretty, and then it went away because that's what happens in southern Arizona. And anyway, I let my older border collie uh, Dice outside for his last potty at about 1030 at night. And he came in about 20 minutes later, three-legged lame. Like seriously, three-legged lame. And he was holding up his back, his his rear leg. And so I went to examine it and it flexed where it shouldn't flex. So I immediately knew this was a big deal. So now he's on six to seven weeks of low... Uh, energy work. Uh, he's grounded essentially for six or seven weeks. And with a border collie, that can be a challenge. So I thought, you know, a lot of people deal with this. And DICE is easy, I'm putting that in air quotes, compared to my other dogs. So I thought what we'd do with today is kind of examine kind of everything from the moment I discovered him being injured through the vet visit, through what we're going to do for six to seven weeks to keep him from climbing the walls and making me insane. And also visit how I would deal with other of my dogs. If this happened to them, because of course I have, I have five dogs and they all have different energy levels and different needs. And every dog is different. Uh, it's not about just, Oh, my dog, you know, needs six weeks of crate rest. I'm just going to buy a licky mat. Um uh, It depends on the dog. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that and how I would change what I'm doing with Dice, say, if it was Cody or Tag or Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid would be, wow, a challenge. So, let's start off. So, that night, it's 11 o'clock at night, and Dice comes in. He has his back leg up in the air, and I'm like, oh, this is suboptimal. Uh, When you see a dog with three legs and the back leg is lifted, Oftentimes, the very first thing to think of is knee injury. That's the most common. Um, Labradors, pit bulls, those kind of guys, it's going to be a cruciate type injury. Poodles, little tiny dogs, is going to be luxating patella type of injury. And so, obviously, that's where you start. Uh, in him's case, I kind of, the hocked looked wrong. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with anatomy, if you look at your dog's leg and you start at the hip and you kind of make a big open Z shape. Right, yes, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, kind of. Anyway, uh, as it slants forward? That's to the knee. It slants back. That's to the hawk. That's analogous to our heel, uh, the tarsus. And he, it didn't look right there. So I, and there were some scuff marks. I don't. It looked like he'd been attacked by another animal, but I knew that wasn't the case because um, there aren't anything. Out, Billy was outside, and so, and Billy certainly wouldn't, wouldn't mess with dice. So I knew it wasn't a dog fight, even though it's kind of what it looked like cause I did see a poke hole kind of near the, the hock little below the hock joint. So anyway, I went, I touched, I, I went to examine that part of his, his leg and there was a whole lot of movement where there shouldn't have been a whole lot of movement. So my immediate first thought was, Oh no, he's, sh- he's shattered it. It's, I mean, this is, there was no grinding. It was just floppy. It was very wrong. So because I'm a veterinary technician, I know that the most important thing, if your dog breaks a bone, is stabilizing that joint. Uh, making sure that there's no additional movement from now until the vet visit. And so because I know how to wrap a leg, <laughs> I, and I have the stuff in the house, now I have to go to Tractor Supply today and get more. Uh, I, I was able to quickly just kind of chuck a, a wrap on him. The big thing, if you're going to wrap your own dog's leg, first, I absolutely urge you to speak to your veterinarian, and have a technician show you how to wrap a leg appropriately. If you do it wrong, you are going to jack things up much worse. The biggest, there are two risks with wrapping a leg. The first is it's too tight, in which case you will cut off blood supply and you can actually kill and slough part of the foot or leg that's very, very bad. The other one would be too loose where essentially it just falls off and you've done nothing. You've just wasted a bunch of material. So the big thing for that, and again, I urge everybody speak to somebody. I don't know if there are online options. I'll probably look that up when we're done and, and put anything like that in the show notes, but I urge everyone to at least have an understanding of kind of fundamentally understanding how to do a quick wrap. Um, The most important part is cast padding. That's the fuzzy, fluffy cotton stuff that comes in rolls. have a lot of that stuff on hand. What that does is it it takes the pressure of the outlying wrap so that it's harder to make it too tight. And so you can make it tight enough without too tight. So anyway, I, I threw a quick wrap on him. Now, if I didn't have a great relationship with my own veterinarian, I would have taken him to emergency vet right then. But because i I have a great relationship with my my own veterinarian, and the veterinarian involved uh, Dr. Daniel Murray of Animal Care Center of Green Valley down in southern Arizona is probably one of the best um, orthopedic type eyes that you will see in the veterinary community at least locally outside of the specialty centers. Um, just a great eye he he's he's not a He's not a spring chicken. Um, so he's, he's been practicing this for a very long time and he's got a fantastic eye and he's very honest about what he sees and, and he's treated my dogs for many, many years. So because I have a great relationship with them, I knew that I could call them first thing in the morning and if they had any, any ability at all, they would shoehorn me. And so I was able to stabilize the joint, um, that night. Then, um, the next morning, obviously, I, I called my friend who works there and said, hey, <laughs> we're on the road. We're heading in. Uh, because it had snowed, the ground was wet. So the important thing then is not let your wrap get wet. <clears throat> if your wrap gets wet, uh, again, it wasn't a big deal because I'm just heading to the vet. They're going to take it off right away. But if it was a real wrap that I wanted to keep on for days or weeks, it can't get wet because if it gets wet, then you get humidity up inside of it. And, and then you've got you've got some bad stuff going on. So So I put a little plastic baggie on his Tootsie and that's when I moved his back leg and he snapped at me. And this is a very kind hearted dog. He didn't, the teeth didn't touch me, but that told me he's an extraordinary, it hurts, it hurts. Which brings us to pain medication. I have pain medication in the house. The problem with the pain medication that I was able to find that night is it's in an unmarked bottle. And the problem with it being an unmarked bottle is I didn't know which of the multiple flavor chews that we sell in the veterinary community it was. So because of that, you don't want to start a dog, say, on one NSAID. So NSAIDs are the Deramaxes, the Rimadils, all, all of the, most of the things that, that you are going to receive for your dog are in the NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, NSAID in that class, which is the same as aspirin for us or Tylenol or any of those, or not Tylenol. Tylenol is not an NSAID. Aspirin and uh, an NSAID. Advils and an NSAID. Uh, Tylenol is not. So anyway, there's a useless piece of information to have and know. So <laughs> what I, I did not give him a pain medication that night because even though I, I would have wanted to and had the bottle been labeled, I would have But without having labeled the bottle, I didn't know what I was giving. And because I didn't know what I was giving, I wouldn't be able to tell the veterinarian what I was giving. And that sets you up for a situation where you're mixing non-steroidals. And if you mix non-steroidals, you can end up with GI bleeds or a perforated bowel or bad, bad, bad things. So as much as I would have wanted to have given him an NSAID, I did not give him one because I didn't know the name of the, of the medication. Same thing with aspirin, guys. If you have aspirin lying around and you know you're taking your dog to the vet the next day and they're going to send you home with real drugs, don't give your dog aspirin. Uh, Aspirin's an, an NSAID and it can be very, very hard on tummies. And if you go from an, from an aspirin to a different NSAID, you can end up in real deep trouble. So um, I gave him tramadol, which is a a controlled at this point uh, substance, but, and it seems to, the the newest research seems to imply that it probably doesn't have a lot of painkilling elements for dogs. It's, it's, my understanding is for humans, it's very good. um, But for dogs, it's kind of iffy, but it's not a steroidal. It's not a non-steroidal. So I could go ahead and give it. And even if it only did a little bit of work, it wouldn't interfere with anything they gave him. Uh, and I gave him a little bit because I'm a total baby about things like that. Because also I knew he was going to probably be under, uh, under anesthesia the next day, so the night before I just gave him a titch of tramadol, mostly to let him sleep it off. Was kind of the thinking. So anyway, so we head to the vet, and you know they have unfortunately carte blanche to spend all my money. Now I have none. Uh, and so anyway, the, the it what it turns out it was is thankfully it was not broken. What he did is somehow out in the wilds when he was. Doing doggy things, he found some sort of something, uh, probably steel, and slammed into it sideways, or slid into it in the snow, or got his foot caught into it in it somehow, and he tore the ligaments and/or tendons on the outside of the tarsus joint, which is again that heel joint in the human being, uh, the point, the part that sticks out in the back of the back leg on the dog. So, um, the good news is no cast. The bad news is it is definitely wrapped and he is going to be grounded for six to seven weeks as this heals. So now I've got a working border collie who's grounded and now I have to figure out what to do. So thankfully with Dice, Dice is of my border collies. He is probably, I wouldn't say the most sane. That's a strong. That's a strong thing to call him, but he is probably the most easygoing. He's probably the guy who's the most kind of go with the flow of of my dogs. So when I start thinking about well, how am I going to keep this dog happy? How am I going to keep him from climbing the walls or eating them? Um, he's he's the easier of of the group, and we'll get into what I would do with with the other dogs uh, as well. So I think the most important thing is understanding what. What my dog wants from his life and his world. So, in order of importance, with dice, number one thing is he wants to hang out with me. That is his. That is his favorite thing in the world. He wants to snuggle. He wants to hang out with me. So, thankfully, none of that gets affected by, by his injury. So he's totally cool with that. He's not. None of my dogs are active in the house. So I don't have to worry about crate rest in the house. He can be at large in my house because all my dogs are super calm in the house. Uh, outside's a different matter. And we've had, there's been a little bit of a learning curve and we'll talk about that in a second. Outside his, his favorite thing, absolute favorite thing to do in the whole wide world is chase the ATV. Well, clearly (laughs) that's out followed by hurting, followed by just clomping along and, and coming with us and, and kind of just having adventures. So the ATV rides are out, but he can clomp around with us uh, he's not supposed to run. So he clumps around on a leash, which, you know, sucks, but it sucks less than being left in the house. Uh, he wants to be involved. He kind of has a little bit of FOMO. He fear of missing out. He, he wants to be in, in it, but he doesn't need to be doing it. So as an example, he often is the dog I use to sort stock when I'm doing lessons because I just have him sort them really quick. It generally takes less than five minutes. He does the job. He gets rewarded. Good boy, which is what he wants to hear most more of than anything else in the world. And then he gets tied up and has to watch a couple of lessons. And at the end, we put the sheep back away. So literally he might work 10 minutes and get to hang out for two or three hours tied to a fence. And he, for him, that is the coolest thing he can do. He loves that. Um, the bad, one of the bad things is one of his other things is he jumps in every water tank there is. So he has to keep his his bandage dry, obviously. So he can't do any stock tank work, but, uh, today, like we're going to go down and do some herding in a little bit. I'm going to take tag. If she's not broken, we'll talk about that in a second, uh, Cody, and I'm going to take him down. I'm going to walk him around a little bit inside the arena with the stock on a leash so he can feel like he's doing some stuff. We'll have him kind of march the sheep up and down the arena once or twice, and then we're going to put, then we're going to tie him to the fence. So that way he's done something. He's involved. He's, he's not missing anything. Yeah, he didn't get to be active. He didn't get the independence that he normally has. The training would obviously be very marginal at best, Um, but we can use some very simple commands. Walk up because he's walking up on the stock. Um, I won't do a sit down or a lie down because his back leg doesn't bend really well. And I don't think it's fair to ask him to do a behavior that takes that much time and energy. Um, But if he stands, that's a great time to add a stand cue. So if we stop and he's still standing, I can say, stand, good dog, and walk up on the stock again. So we can still do some training. We could just keep it really, really quiet and mild. And then he'll be perfectly content to spend the rest of the time watching the other dogs herd and watching me and being involved. Not necessarily a part of it, just involved, which is where, like I said, that that's his thing. He's been doing dri- uh, car drives. So silly little chores like going to the feed store, going to the the going grocery shopping. I put him in the car. Obviously I lift him in. Um, I throw him in the back and, uh, then we drive to the grocery store. He doesn't come out. He just stays there and I do my shopping and I get back in and he comes home. It may seem like nothing, but for him, he's part of something. He's doing something with mommy, which is what he wants. Uh, training. He doesn't really care much for training. He's not a big fan of training. He doesn't, Nah, he's okay at it. He likes the treat part, but he doesn't really like the thinking part. Uh, He gets a little upset and in his own head and kind of freaks himself out. So we're not doing any extra training with him. Uh, We did use him the other day as a neutral dog for a dog reactive dog when he was kind of riding shotgun with me for the day. Uh, He can still do that because there's, he doesn't have to walk. He can just really just lay down with a, a toy and a stay and be a perfectly good neutral dog. So there are things that we can do to in, include him in my life. So for him, it's going to be probably a pretty easy ride. Uh, what hap- where we're really running into trouble on the backside of it will be when he's finally healed is slowly building him back up to fitness again. That you know, he's going to lose quite a bit of fitness in six weeks, so or, or seven weeks, <clears throat> and especially mobility in the other the other leg. And because I know from having injured myself over the years, when you do have an injury like this, you tweak other parts of your body. It, the injury kind of travels up, up, up. Um, you know, he's, when he stands because one, because the cast makes one legs longer, he's, he's a little crooked. You know, if you can imagine having a platform shoe on one foot so that tweaks out your hip and he's he's not able to bend the knee because the cast is up over the knee. Um, so he's clonking it along and kind of swinging it out. So all of that is going to cause muscle pain. Um, it's going to cause uh, um, kind of overall crookedness. I don't believe necessarily in chiropractic or any of voodoo stuff, but... What I have been doing is he's already on NSAIDs. He's already on painkillers. So that will help with any inflammation from muscle soreness. But I've also just been kind of doing soft, easy rub downs with him um, to just kind of loosen those muscles. I'm really paying attention to the muscles in the lumbar between the end of the ribs and the beginning of the pelvis. Those muscles tend to get really, those are your back muscles. Those are the ones that tend to get the most upset when we do stupid things. I'm kind of paying attention to both of his hips because, again, one is taking more weight. Um, Everything is tweaked to the side because he has to lean a little bit because of that longer leg. So we are going to pay attention to all of that stuff, but not massively. Um, The body is very resilient when it comes to these sorts of situations. So I'm just going to try to make him feel better in the moment. Um, When he's healed, we will begin putting him back together slowly, well, to build back up to his former athleticism. He's an older dog. He's six or seven. So you should think I would know my own dog's age. Um, (laughs) I think he's, oh my God, every year it changes. I think he's six anyway. So it's not, he's not going to come back right away like tag say would. Um, so we had to go slow with him. Um, well, to go really slow, we won't necessarily put him back to work right away. Again, it'll be my really quick stuff. No big outruns, things like that. So that's, that's dice. But two days ago after, so he injured himself last, uh, a week ago. Uh, I think today, actually, a week ago today, or we could go yesterday. Tag, on the other hand, who is a catastrophe waiting to happen. Tag is two and a half, and she's already been to the vet twice for emergencies. Uh, she is my frequent flyer. And two days ago, we were herding, and she finished up herding and was three-legged lame, which is unfortunately pretty normal for tech. And her little tootsie was all swollen. It was a front foot. And I was like, oh, damn it, dog. <laughs> Do not make me have to go to the vet because you broke a toe or did something silly like that. So she was immediately on crate rest and grounded. Thankfully it went away. Thankfully, whatever it was, it, it it was a short-lived thing. She's still a little iffy, but she's obviously much, much better. Um, so then that gets you to the question of, well, okay, so if dice is easy, what would it be like if one of my other dogs was, was injured? Because I just described a dog who's probably like most house pets. He isn't super high drive, he's not a he's not gonna be a sociopath. Um, but a lot of people have dogs that really will be. <laughs> insane. And what do you do for those dogs? So Cody would actually be pretty similar to dice. uh, I think if she was injured, so we won't spend a lot of time on Cody. The difference with Cody is that she is a little higher drive. She really, 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 really wants to work the stock. Uh, But she's also content to just hang out. Uh, If it was Cody who was injured, we would probably spend time down with the geese because she loves to just stare at the geese. Um, and she gets some level of satisfaction from just staring. So we probably would do that with her more so than with Dice. We would probably do a lot more kind of on-leash, quote-unquote, herding uh, with either the the the, the, she, the geese or maybe with the sheep, uh, just so she felt like she was working. It'll be less satisfying for her than it would be for Dice, um, which would be problematic because, of course, if she had an injury that... Really, she couldn't walk much. Where really, she should be grounded um, and not able to even walk, say, for half a mile or a quarter mile. Uh, we'd have to do something else. I mean, it might be something as simple as or, or silly as as putting a dog crate in the back of an or a trailer and trailing her up and down with the ATV so she can feel like she's going fast and feel like she's having adventures uh, without actually causing problems. Cody loves to train. Uh, she loves the train. The second you bring the treats out, she is ecstatic. So for her, we could probably train things that wouldn't involve standing up. We could do target training with her front pe- feet. If her front feet weren't injured, we could do target training with her chin. This is a dog that you could do a ton of training with, and that would probably satisfy a lot of, of her needs and, and tick a lot of her boxes. Cody's also a little, she's not a spring chicken either. Uh, she's a five-year-old dog, so she's, she's kind of middle-aged but let's talk about the dog who's most likely to be injured and <laughs> based on history, Tag. So Tag actually really badly uh, cut her whole shoulder open about a year and a half ago, I want to say, uh, chasing stock. She, she hit, she hit a, the end of a cattle panel and uh, tore herself up pretty well and ended up with 10 days rest and sutures and staples and she was a nightmare. She was, oh my God, she was horrible. The good news was she was gorked on drugs for about 72 hours. After that, she thought the, the, the Elizabethan collar, you know, little, the little lampshade they wear, we call them e-collars, but that causes confusion in training world, uh, cause for Elizabethan collar, uh, but anyway, the collar that she had to wear—oh my God! She thought it was eating her. It was like she was in the jaws of a python. She flailed upside down. She freaked out, and pe- it was a—it was an unholy mess. Um, she was a complete basket. So we had to go buy it. We had to go buy some inflatable things and put a shirt on her. She was a nightmare. And Tag is the kind of dog who, if she's not entertained uh, every hour or so, uh, she whines. So annoyingly, <laughs> she she's a, a whiny little dog. Oh, the whining! And if she was laid up for six to seven weeks, like had to be inside, had to be in a crate, had to be calm. Had oh my god. Huh. So honestly, with Tag, probably one of us would need drugs or alcohol, <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. If you have a high-drive dog, with asking your veterinarian to put them on a slight um, tranquilizer or gork them a little bit. Uh, there's no reason your high-drive dog should feel that anxious anxiety and, and lack of control of their environment and all the drives um, without some medical intervention. So with Tag, it, it probably wouldn't be altogether a bad idea to put her on some mild sedative to keep her a little less insane. Tag loves to train. So we could definitely do training work. Uh, The problem with her is she needs the activity. Uh, So if you, in the absence of other activities, running and playing and tagging and sheeping and ATVing, uh, her training would probably be so manic that she would really struggle to be calm, even for the training. Uh, It would probably make We could probably eventually shape it to make it calm, but at the beginning, it would be a nightmare uh, to try to get her to focus and function in such a way that she's not endangering herself, again, based on the the injury that she will probably no doubt get in some, unfortunately, probably similar or close time. Um, So tag would be a real struggle. Uh, Tag would be a lot of snuffle mats, a lot of scatter feeding, uh, a lot of, Oh yeah, buy by every puzzle toy in America for her, um, and she would probably still be awful. And so, again, with her, uh, it'd probably be a lot of car rides. But, again, even with her, a car ride, unlike Dice, a car ride is not satisfying for tag. For tag, it's where you're going. Where are we going? are we being, are we there yet? Are we there yet? She's that little kid who's in the back going, "Ah, why, why aren't we there? How long has it been? She would be a nightmare. She would not do well with watching other dogs work. She'd go berserk. Um, so taking her down to the stock would be cruel. She would hate it because she'd be like, why am I not getting to play with that? Um, so for tag, we'd have to completely restructure her life. Uh, we'd have to really work hard to restructure our own lives, to take care of her, and honest to God, we would probably really start looking heavily into drugs, um, just to take the edge off to help her cope with, there's only so many rawhide shoes or bones that a dog can chew on in a day, um, and then she'd be climbing the walls. Uh Ruby would probably be very similar. The difference between Ruby and Tag is even though Ruby is a much, much more active dog, she really wants that attention too. So she would be very needy. She would be very clean, uh, stuck to me. She'd try to bounce the whole time. She would probably have to be crated. Uh, The crate would probably have to be in the same room with me. Uh, She would very likely need tranquilizers of some kind just to keep her from going completely insane. Um, She would be a lot of work. I don't think she'd be as bad as Tag because she is a dog who kind of is a little more willing to roll with events, a little more flexible, I think, in her behavior. Uh, She doesn't do any herding. She does do disc. And because disc isn't something that we do every day or even sometimes once a week, it's not something that she would miss as much. For her, it's just being active. It's being out in the environment. Um, She'd be totally happy if we just went outside, sat in the sun. Uh, But for her, the big thing was just trying to be keeping her quiet because even when she's quote unquote relaxing, there's movement. There's, Pacing, there's running around, there's bouncing, there's always some sort of bouncing. Even her sit when she sits next to you is a very active, frenzied kind of sit. So in her case, it probably wouldn't hurt to layer a little bit of, of medication over the top, but again, she'd be a different dog than Tag. I think she'd be she'd be far less annoying. <laughs> Tag would probably be the most annoying dog I own, uh, if if she if she got injured. Billy, the kid, if Billy, the kid became injured and had to be inside in a crate, which we'd have to go buy, uh, for a dog that size, she would absolutely, absolutely need drugs. Billy, the kid is not, you don't look at this. You don't look at these livestock. So she's a livestock guardian dog. You don't look at these livestock guardian dogs as being very active. She Whenever you see her, she's generally laying down, but that's because she spends the entire night barking at monsters and running around the property. I've always wanted to put a GPS on her and see how fricking many miles she runs, just running back and forth from here to the chicken coop, from the chicken coop to the sheep, back to the sheep, back to the chicken coop, back here, back, you know, she's just constant motion. And then during the day, she's pretty calm, but uh, that would not go well in a house. So she was spayed when she was about, a year and a half old, I want to say. And even the three days I was able to keep her in the house, it was awful. Uh, she, Thankfully, she was really gorked on drugs for the first two to three, almost three days she was gorked. The fourth day we started introducing the tranquilizers, that the vet very kindly gave me. And even the fifth day, I couldn't, I didn't have a crate. I, for one thing, I don't have a crate big enough for her. Uh, she couldn't be in the house. She she spent the whole, every waking minute clawing at doors. She just needed to get out. Uh, for her, it would be a massive struggle. Uh, the best thing we could do to mimic her lifestyle would be if we could take her on leash walks. And if, and if the injury allowed, make those leash walks rather long where she could check on the sheep and check on the chickens and feel good about it. And then intersperse it with laying down. She's content to lay and watch her stock. But if she was in the house where she had no idea what was going on with the stock, she'd be very frustrated, very upset, very stressed out. When we spayed her after the third day in the house, I took her down and put her in a pen next to the sheep. I couldn't have her in the house anymore. Uh, She just couldn't. Now I could do that because it's not, we don't live in a rainy state. Uh, If, if there was a place someplace where, a, she could get to her incision and wanted to, or B, that was there's a danger of mud or anything like that getting into the incision. I, there's no way I could have done it. And the only way I could have handled that dog in the house would have been drugs. Uh, there's just no way on earth I could have brought that dog in the house for even the the seven to 10 days that she needed to be in the house post-bay. If it was a serious injury and she absolutely had to be in the house, there is absolutely no zero way that we could ever deal with that dog in the house without drugs. Uh, she would just make herself insane. So the reason, again, this is salient to me right now since I have Dice laying by my side <laughs> is with his big wrapped leg, um, but I think it's important, and I think it's also important to kind of run these kind of things through your head and be aware of that and know your dog. Um, you know, the, the reason I can say with certainty how I deal with every one of these situations is I, I know my dogs. I know which dogs can handle what. I know how I'd be able to facilitate them having a, a quality of life while broken <laughs> um, in the short term and deal with them. And I know that some of these dogs, like I said, Dice, Dice is not on any tranquilizers. Dice is totally kosher and hanging out with me, um, but Dice is probably the mellowest of, of the dogs, um, I didn't mention Ketchum, uh, my other border collie, because uh, she she's 13. She would do very well just hanging out in the house. You give her a warm, soft spot, and she probably would, other than peeing, she's like, I'm good Good for this. Speaking, speaking of urination. So one of the things we've had to learn with Dice. So when I let my dogs out, I let the dogs out. I open the door. The dogs go outside. They do whatever, and in 10, 15 minutes, I go outside and call them back in. And in the meantime, they've done whatever dogs do. Well, with Dice, I can't trust him to do that because uh, the more he wants to run around, the more it's likely he'll just take off down to the sheep or take off down to the neighbor's horse corral. And, and then he'll dunk himself in their stock tank. And then, ugh, so I have to watch him. So I'm standing outside and apparently, <laughs> I didn't realize this, Dice is obviously a male dog. He needs to pee about 30 times, not once. So what was happening is at night on the last out when normally I'd open the door, let them out, close the door, wait 15 minutes or so while I prepare dinner or whatever for the dogs. And then they'd all come in. I can't do that with dice. And so if I go outside and I wait while he pees and then I bring him right back in, he has to pee 30 seconds later. And So you let him out and he pees and he he has to pee 30 seconds later. And it's not because he has a UTI. It's because he's a boy dog. And when he goes outside, he pees here and then he marks that bush and he marks this bush and he marks that bush. And because that's not part of his normal, that's because it's part of his normal system. Me watching him urinate once (sighs) is not enough. So now I'm having to kind of follow him around with a leash so that he can mark all of his locations to make sure that no other dogs have invaded while he was, while he's sleeping. So that's been a little bit of a learning curve. for The first couple of nights I had to get up, I don't know, like every hour, I'm like, what the hell dog? And it really is that he just, when he, when he does mark, he has to mark multiple places. Um, so <laughs> that was a, that was a new one for me. I I've never dealt with that. The other thing I have to deal with with him is he hates being picked up. Um, It's not abnormal for a dog who, these bigger dogs who never get picked up to act like they're being murdered. And so in his case, I have to immediately collar grab him the second I know that um, I'm either going to pick him up and put him in the car or or pick him up and take him out of the car. Because if I don't immediately grab the collar, he's going to make that move on his own. And I don't want him jumping up uh, or down, obviously. So in his case, i have to be very proactive and grab that collar right away. Uh, With Tag, I wouldn't have to do that as much because she's perfectly willing to allow me to to pick her up and put her in the car, take her out of the car. Uh, Cody would also probably be pretty squirrely about being picked up. Ruby is actually really quite funny in that sometimes she decides she just cannot possibly make the jump into the car. I own a Subaru. It's not like it's 15 feet off the ground. She can jump into the bed of my husband's ginormous GMC diesel beast truck. She has no problem with that, but the three, you know, the the two and a half feet or two feet or whatever it is my car is, oh, that's exhausting sometimes. So t- Ruby's fine to pick up. I can't even imagine picking up Billy. <laughs> that's, that's out of the question. There's no way in hell I could pick up Billy. Uh, thankfully, Billy never rides in cars, but if she was injured, I, we'd have to like, we have to pour her into a car somehow. Uh, so, so you kind of have to take all of these things into into consideration. Dice really struggles with going up and down the stairs. Uh, the bedroom is upstairs. The stair the staircase is uh, finished wood uh, with no runner, and so with his his tape, it's very slippery for him. And so when he, the first, obviously the first couple of days I lifted him and carried him up the stairs and lifted him and carried him down the stairs. He actually did better with down than up at first. And still now it's, he's better with down than up, up. Up where he struggles is he has to swing that leg around because he can't bend the knee and it doesn't grip when he grabs the step. So what I'm doing is I'm walking behind him and holding that leg so that it does hold that, it sticks in spots. So I'm able to help him up the stairs or I'll kind of help him along by grabbing his collar and kind of keeping him from sliding backwards. Um, But I am, he doesn't go up the stairs unless I'm going up the stairs. So I don't have to worry about him helter-skelter running up and down stairs. But you have to be aware of things like that. The deck has some steps, uh, but there's only two of them. So, and they're, um, they're uh, grippy wood. They're old. They're old wood. And then the steps in the back are concrete. So those are less slippery. He's able to maneuver those better and he's more successful with that. The other issue that I have with Dice is that he's not actually physically on a leash. This only other speed he appears to have is a canter. He doesn't even trot. He goes directly from walk to canter, and so because we don't want him working that much, um, he is having to be on leash a lot more than he's used to. Thankfully, he's pretty cool with it, and so what I do in his case is I follow him around. I let him make his choices about where we're going. Generally, again, this is a p.m. bushes (laughs) or to find out to follow every one of my female dogs and sniff her urine and then mark it because he has to find out you know her status today um so there there are changes and it is a lot more management and it is something you to really pay attention to and I think it's important to kind of have an idea and a plan um like I said if if Billy got injured I have I'd have to go buy a crate and I know that I mean I have one at the dog spot that would work for her um so I'd be, I just go buy, I'd just go take it and bring it home, but then I'd have nothing at the dog spot, uh, my business location. So I'd have to go buy another one for them if I had a large dog in training. So anyway, I just thought I'd kind of give you a little bit of that information and cause injuries happen and especially the more active your dog tag is a battering ram. Um, So to kind of give you a rundown, tag is two and a half. And she, like I said, she sliced open her whole entire shoulder. Um, It actually dinged the radial nerve. And so she had numbness in the leg for about 24 hours, totally freaked everybody out. We're all like, oh God, she's three-legged and she's not even two years old yet. But thankfully it healed. She still got a pretty good little scar there, but she, she healed pretty much 100%. Uh, then she did something that I thought she broke her foot. So I took her in. They didn't, they looked at the x-rays and they were pretty certain she hadn't, but she was on house arrest for about a week for that. Honestly, it wasn't, it hadn't broken. And she healed very quickly, thankfully on that dice broke his toe. He had the ram run him over. He was, uh, that was really tricky because it was the heart of summer. I, it was a less serious injury. Toe injuries are less serious than what he's got going on now. I was a little more willing to let him kind of do dog things. The problem was, he is summer and so all the stock tanks. He jumped into every one of them, and I would spend all day rebandaging. Um, I think there was one day I spent I bandaged three times on him. Uh, that took about seven weeks to heal. Partly because we probably gave him, I gave him a little too much freedom. I probably should have curtailed him a little more. But again, you notice, I talked about how much work it is. So, you know, decisions were made. And uh, that was a little bit of a pain. Cody, thankfully, has had very few injuries. Uh, Billy, knock on wood, hasn't really had anything. Uh, Ketchum never got injured uh, in her whole uh, life. She's a little lame now. She's got a a couple bad tendons in her toes from running. But by and large, uh, the dogs have been fairly... Healthy, uh, but Tag is just a battering ram, and Tag, there, there. I don't think we go two to three months without her coming up lame uh, with something. Generally, she's just she. I think she's running too fast, and I think she just damages herself. She's an idiot. So, I mean, hopefully, nothing will ever be catastrophic with her. But I anticipate future vet <laughs> I did tell her the other day though that Dice had spent all of our veterinary money for the entire year, so. She better get well on her own. So anyway, I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of information. Um, If you have active dogs, do yourself a favor and do find out at least how to do an overnight bandage. Be aware of the fact that if you do not know how to bandage a dog, no bandage should remain on your dog longer than 24 hours. Um, Because if you do it too tight, we've had that happen where people brought in dogs that they'd try to bandage on their own, and then the vet bill escalates because they had They had stress sores, they had pressure sores, they had necrosis of various tissues. So please, please, please learn how to bandage your dog's legs properly. Understand that if your dog, like the risk was that Dice had fractured something and the rule of thumb for a fracture is you need to stabilize the joint above and below that fracture. Uh, Back legs are especially difficult to bandage because they're triangular and the bottom is pointy, essentially, and the bandage wants to slide down. Um, Tape is your friend. Try to stay away from vet wrap. It can get way, way too tight. So you're better off with something like Elasticon. I don't know the uh, official name, but it's a flesh-colored, quasi-stretchy Sticky, sticky, sticky tape, like duct tape for animals or duct tape for people. Uh, that stuff's way, way better. Safer because it doesn't stretch as much. Don't roll anything directly from the the tube onto your dog. It's going to be too tight. Please take the time to learn how to do things properly. Never bandage your dog for longer than 12 to 24 hours if you don't know what you're doing. Um, it's This was a short-term thing just to get him through the night to stabilize that joint so I didn't have to do an emergency vet visit. If I had not had the skills to do the, if I had not had the skills to make a stable stable joint, or if the injury had been up high in the femur where I could never stabilize the joint, he would have gone to emergency that night. Um, the only reason we waited until the next morning is because I knew I could stabilize what was going on, and I really prefer the doctors that I know. Uh, have a relationship with your vet. If you don't have a relationship with your vet, they're not going to fit you in. They're not. If you call, if I had called XYZ vet and said, Hey, this is what happened. They don't know me from Adam. They don't know if I'm to come in and decline all services. I might come in and say, well, what do you mean? It's going to cost more than $50 to establish what's going on. I don't want to pay that. And they've wasted that time. They've carved out a space for what would have been for a better, a better client. And they're just not going to do it. Um, they're not going to make space for you. If they don't know you, they're not going to make space for you. And then you're going to the emergency hospital where you're going to spend two to three times more. And if it's the middle of the night, you could end up with a brand new vet. And there's nothing wrong with brand new vets, but they tend to be a little too conservative because they're scared, and that's fair and reasonable. Um, and they're not as good at diagnosing. They haven't seen as much stuff. It's just miles. And so I try not to. Go to emergency vets if I can avoid it, because I want to know who my veterinarian is, I want a relationship with my veterinarian, and I want to know for an absolute fact that they've seen hundreds of cases. Now, the only way they can see hundreds of cases is if you bring them the cases, but it's not going to be my dog. (laughs) Sorry, it's just, it's not. Um, So I can't stress enough the importance of making sure you have a relationship with your doctors, your veterinarians, because the only way I was able to get in is because I worked there. I've, I pay my bills. I don't whine and noodle over every penny. You know, they, they know me. They know I'm going to do follow-up care. I'm not going to let things turn bad. Um, you know, we have a relationship. So I cannot stress that enough. Make sure you have a relationship with your veterinarian. Make sure you understand how to handle your dog if they're in pain. Um I just actually had a neighbor call me and uh his lab had been attacked by another dog actually it was 2 days ago and he had to take it to the emergency vet it was it was a nighttime situation and the dog had quite a size, sizable subcutaneous injury and that he hadn't noticed at first after the fight and then he noticed it later and by that time it had turned into an abscess and a big mess and the dog he, the dog was really flat, and he was very concerned. The dog was bleeding too much through the rain, blah, blah, blah. So it went down. The dog wouldn't let you within a mile of it. He he was very, he's very defensively aggressive. He's very worried about being ouchy. Um, if that is your dog, have a, have a way of, you know, having taught your dog how to be handled. Um, know how to handle a dog in those circumstances so you can get your damn dog in the car. <laughs> uh, we actually had people call us at the veterinary hospital, and their dog had you know, had some X, Y, Z behavior, something happened to them. They think they broke a leg or they got in a dog fight or they got bit by a rattlesnake. and we're like, okay, we'll bring him in. They're like, I can't, I can't get the dog in the car. He'll bite me. And, and I understand that sometimes happens. And I also understand that, you know, if you have a Maremma sheepdog or Pyrenees, you can't, maybe you can't lift the dog physically. I mean, I don't know how I'd get Billy in the car uh, if she was liquefied. Um, But you kind of need to be aware of that and be prepared for that and be able to dress that somehow. Um, Any leash can be wrapped around your dog's nose three times and bang, you've got a muzzle. Um, You know, don't let it get slack and don't stick your hand in their mouth, but that's enough to get your dog off the ground and in the car and traveling. And then they can deal with the muzzling when they get there. Uh, There's nothing wrong with muzzling your dog, Um, you know. That's totally fine. Uh, Don't leave a muzzle like that on uh, if it's warm out because they can't pant and uh, they could get into a heat stroke situation very quickly. But for the two seconds it takes you to grab your dog and chuck it in the back of a car, um, that's totally safe. And then they'll get the muzzle off themselves if they, you know, if you haven't made it too tight or you can just flop it off for them. So kind of have, have a plan. Uh, When Dice uh, went to bite me, I didn't get mad at him. He, I, I touched, I touched the leg to try to put a plastic baggie on the end so that the bandage would survive the, the trip to the town, into town. I don't know why I did it. It's just natural. Um, honestly, I knew they were going to take it off the minute they got, I, I got there, but it was just what I do. And he, he reached around to bite me and it hurt. Uh, he wasn't in trouble. He wasn't a bad dog. He, and he didn't, he, he, you know, he meant to just tell me not to do that. Um, but because of that, I was, I was cautious how I handled him. I was cautious when I picked him up. I made sure I had control of his head before I picked him up and that if he did get, if I did accidentally get anywhere near the owie, um, he didn't have the ability to reach around and bite me. Knowing how to restrain your dog in such a way that you can lift even a biting dog off the ground is, is important thing. Any veterinary technician can teach you that, um. It takes a little bit of skill and it takes a lot of courage if your dog's snapping and you know turning into an alligator, but you can do it. you can get your shoulder up in there and get and get in a way that your dog can't bite you so know your dog um if you can handle your dog, practice handling your dog uh practice hanging your dog when it's it doesn't hurt um since then I've been able to handle dice all like I said just that in that moment it hurt, and he was telling me it hurt, and i he has that right so Anyway, okay, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it was relevant and helpful for some of you. Um, Hopefully not too many. (laughs) I mean, in a perfect world, I'd hope that everybody would skip this and say, oh, I'll never need to know that. Uh, But that's not how it goes. Um, Pay attention to what your dogs want. Pay attention to what your dogs need. Um, Kind of have some tools on hand to deal with dogs who are kind of grounded. Uh, You know, scatter feeding and hiding treats or or practicing various training things, um, there's always something you can do the creatively that that you can that you can do with your dog. Um, it, you know, there's always something. So, and if you can't think of something, reach out to your dog trainer. Your dog trainer has probably great tips. Tips your vet tech might, your vet veterinarian might. Um, don't be afraid of drugs. <laughs> uh, like I said, there's no question I would drug tag. <laughs> No question. Uh, same with the uh, code uh, Billy. I would absolutely need her gorked because there's just no way, no way in hell she could be in my house for more than a couple of days without climbing my walls. So know your dog. And uh, hopefully you won't need any of this advice. Hopefully you'll listen to this whole thing and say, yay, I'll never need this. Um, have a good one, guys. I wish you everybody the best. Uh, happy training. Thank you for listening to your dog's best life. If you like this podcast, please like, share, comment. No, leave a, leave a review. Um, reach out to us. On my uh, Facebook page is Empire Ridge Ranch. And uh, hope to see you guys soon. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Happy training.